G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Some talk about a new development that's happening in the UK. A development in the UK legal system with the Law Society telling lawyers there how to draw up Sharia-compliant wills that disenfranchise women. Now, some members of the UK Parliament have called for a parliamentary inquiry into the matter. and The UK has already allowed things like Islamic courts in the forum in the form of uh, arbitration tribunals to decide on matters relating to marriage and divorce from an Islamic Sharia perspective. Now, when you think of Australia's heritage, our Christian heritage, when you think of our legal system, the Westminster legal system, is there room in Australia for such thing as Sharia law and Sharia courts and uh, even on these issues of Sharia-compliant wills? Well, let's talk with the Salt Shakers. Jenny Stokes from Salt Shakers is back with us. Hello, Jenny. Welcome back to 2020. Hi, Neil. It's good to be back. Jenny, this issue uh, seems to have emerged over this past week or so, and uh, really we're talking about something that's happening in the UK. But there are signs that there is a permeation, or what some people like to talk about as a creeping of uh, Sharia law uh, in Australia too. But what's happening in the UK? Well, in the UK... Um, basically, basically, this came came to light with the religion editor at the Telegraph writing an article about this, and the Law Society was saying to all the high street lawyers, they call them, you know, just the average law law firm on the high street in the in towns, um, of how to actually write the Islamic will if somebody comes in. So if somebody comes in and they want all sorts of legal advice, so it's like how how do you actually do it? And they've published what they call a practice note or guidelines as to what should be included in the Islamic will. And even taken taken from what 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 that actually means, um, there's a firm in Australia having looked at what's happening actually offers Islamic wills and and sort of explains what that means. So it would have instructions about how the person would want to be buried and particularly how the estate was to be divided. And one of the main principles in it is that sons get a double share um, compared to a, a daughter. And so that's the Islamic uh, Quranic or the Sharia principle is to actually give sons twice the amount that a woman does. And also that somebody who leaves Islam or is not a Muslim can't actually be seen as a beneficiary under the will. Apparently there's there's a there's sort of an, a clause that allows bequests and a non-Muslim could be included in the bequest, which can be part of a, an estate, but but not in the um, in, as a main beneficiary. Do you consider that to be something like a built-in discrimination that happens a against women and uh, b against anyone who's outside of Islamic law? Yeah, well, well, certainly uh, that's the way it sort of looks at, at the beginning. You sort of think, well, women are disadvantaged in this system. Certainly there was a legal case here in Australia. Once I started to look at what had happened here in Australia, there was a legal case back in 2012 where a Muslim woman in Canberra had had taken a challenge 
to the courts about her mother's will. Now, her mother was a Muslim. She had decided she wanted a Muslim will, or Islamic will, and that had disenfranchised all the daughters because they got half shares compared with the sons of the family. Now, it was interesting in that particular case, she actually won the case because she was able to prove that at the time the mother wrote the will that she was actually suffering from advanced dementia uh, or Alzheimer's disease and actually wasn't able to, uh, therefore, you know, legitimately write a will and that's one of the grounds on which a will can be challenged so she actually won but it didn't actually address the point of what would happen if she did have the capacity to write a will would that have been affected by the court the court would the decision have been different so we don't know what might have happened in that case and it's interesting that the law society in england is defending their decision to publish this saying well anybody can write a will as they choose they can decide to distribute their estate in whichever way they like um, so long as it obeys the law of the land, in this case, the law of England, and, and here, of course, the law of Australia. Of course, uh, when we think of the former government, the Labor government, and under the Labor government, Nicola Roxon was the Labor Attorney General at the time. She didn't like the idea of uh, these Islamic laws, particularly in the way they affected uh, a view of women. Uh, but uh, what about the current Attorney General, George Brandis? Does he have a different opinion? Well, it was certainly, certainly Nicola Roxon made that comment about the time that this case in Canberra was being investigated or had actually just been decided. And, she, and certainly it's interesting to say, look, we don't want Sharia law in Australia. And certainly the current uh, coalition government has said we, we don't want Sharia law introduced in Australia. We don't want it running as a parallel legal system. And sometimes Muslim groups have said, look, we want Sharia law. And certainly when they had a multiculturalism inquiry, that's what some of the Islamic groups said. You know, we want Sharia law for Muslims. And certainly um, governments across the board have rejected that, said, no, we have one legal system here in Australia. So Nicola Roxon's response to that court case was to say, well, we don't want Sharia law and we don't want to implement that here. Now, George Brandis's comment at the time, and he was the shadow attorney general now, he's now the attorney general, and he actually made made a slightly different comment in saying, well, um, let me see, he's, uh, he said, our, our laws start with the presumption that people are entitled to write their will as they choose, subject to certain formal requirements. And one of those, for instance, is the provision for families. So if if particular members of the family aren't provided for, that can be challenged. But you have to actually go to court to challenge the will. There's no other way to challenge what's in a will. Um, you know, if it's in the will and nobody challenges it, then it's, basically the estate will be distributed. Uh, oh. He went on to say the coalition doesn't believe that Sharia law should be accepted or recognised in Australia, but he said it's logically possible for somebody to do something that is both consistent with Australian law and consistent with Sharia principles. And the key thing is, are they obedient to Australian law? And it was interesting, just, just yesterday, I was, uh, or the day before, I was actually listening to a program on the... ABC Radio, and a, a woman rang in to, to ask the, the visiting or the guest lawyer a question, and she was actually an executor for a will. Now, as part of the detail of that, it basically said that the two sisters, two siblings had inherited from a mother's will when she died. The sister had inherited 70% and the, the son 30%, but the son was still living in the family home, which, you know, the question was, is, you know, as the executor of the will, uh, am I required to basically sell the house? And he said, well, you know, the law says that... And there was no question at all of the fact that there'd been an unequal distribution, in this case, in favour of the daughter, um, at, at all. So the question was really is, you know, how do I go about this and, you know, should I have to sell the house? 
So there's obviously this principle that people can write a will as they wish, and unless it's legally challenged, then, then it can stand. Well, the other big issue, of course, is the idea of a parallel or, uh, as people are calling it, a pluralist set of legal systems in Australia. And, and as we've been saying, there's been great resistance to that, of course. Uh, but this is something that, as I mentioned earlier, there's a creeping Sharia. And it's creeping around the world. And in the UK, they've already got something of a parallel system. And if we were saying that could be a bit of a precedent that could be set for nations like Australia, then there would be concerns, wouldn't there? Well, that's that's right. And certainly what we've seen established, like they've got these arbitration tribunals in the UK, we've got fairly informal courts within the mosque and people can go to the mosque for, you know, divorce settlements, marriage agreements and so on. And we're now seeing that included into formal law firms. Um, so there's one Melbourne law firm has actually employed a Muslim imam in 2010 as a consultant on, um, let me say, quote, commercial contracts and disputes between Muslims plus separation agreements, divorces, wills and prenuptial agreements. And so they're employing a Muslim imam to give them advice to write legal documents um, that will be based on Islamic principles. And as I said, they often disadvantage women. Um, for instance, if the, if the marriage breaks up, then the children are seen to be the property of the husband, not of the wife. And, um, and that causes problems when it comes to you know, family law matters as well. And so it's, it is this sort of totally separate way of looking at at legal things, yes, it might have to fit within the Australian system, but often we find that the Muslim woman isn't actually prepared to go to court to challenge that. Um, we've seen a couple of cases recently on underage marriage where the woman has decided to, to challenge it and, and one was on a custody matter and she was then given custody of the children. But, you know, if the woman isn't prepared to challenge, then often they have to walk away because the Islamic system says, well, they don't have custody of the children. Or in this case, you know, well, that's the way it is. That's the way the will's been written. Um, and there's also the thing that if they do challenge it legally, then they're often ostracised from their families and, uh, you know, they lose out in lots of other ways as well as the financial aspect. It certainly highlights, doesn't it, the differences between what might have been founded in our case uh, with our Christian heritage and uh, Australian society, now called a secular society, but, uh, but certainly as multiculturalism, uh, has its uh, has its uh, inroads into our society. It does demonstrate that there are real differences when it comes to uh, certainly Islamic law and the the damage that it might do to the way we think uh, here in Australia about what might be true and what might be right. Well, that's that's right, and of course we see it across a range of things. Here we're talking about marriage and divorce and uh, and wills and legal matters, but we've already seen it in other cultural areas as well. So I know um, readers often hear about the halal certification of food, um, where we're paying a fee to Islamic groups, and often they're competing with each other to get the certification money from the companies, um, telling then they're telling these companies that they won't get export markets and so on if they don't actually sign up, which just means they've got to pay a fee to <laughs> to have the ability to do this. So we've seen that. We've seen it in the introduction of Islamic banking and Islamic Islamic finance. And some of the banks and so on are actually employing uh, Islamic um, consultants and experts to be able to actually introduce this sort of funding. And yet until, you know, the last, you know, few decades, um, we didn't have sort of this separate Islamic finance industry. So some of these are actually just, you know, as you said, creeping into Australian society and, and being accepted as as being legitimate and uh, it's, it's certainly a concern when we see that uh, they're really 
in many ways opposed to uh, the Christian view of things. Well, Jenny, point people to your Salt Shakers website where they can get some more detail about the sorts of things we're talking about today and certainly uh, lots of other articles and links on your website too that help Christians become informed about those issues that are trying to reshape our culture away from what we would have understood as a culture that was birthed in a Christian heritage. Uh, Jenny Stokes, great talking to you. Thanks so much for being with us again today on 2020. You're welcome now. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.